0: You know, the church is in trouble. The church in the United States is in trouble. Did you know that every year, 4,000 churches in America close their doors? And they close down. Every year, 4,000 churches in America close their doors. And only 1,000 new churches replace them. But out of those 1,000 churches, most of them are, you know, small. And so you could do the math. You know, if every year 4,000 churches close their doors and only 1,000 new churches start, the church in America is headed towards extinction. They predict by 2020, less than 15% of Americans will be attending church. Could you imagine that? By 2020, they predict that less than 15% of Americans will be attending church. Last weekend, most people in America avoided church altogether. (laughs) And a sizable portion of those who attended church wished that they were somebody else, that they were somewhere else. Of course, that doesn't happen here, but it happens in the rest of the country. But you know, that is a pretty dark statement of where the church is heading. But didn't we say that, well, didn't the Bible say the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? And that's true, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The capital C church, you know, the the church that's made up of believers. But there's no guarantee that if the church in America doesn't change, that we could be going in the way of Europe. We're pretty much, if you've been in Europe... All of the churches you see there are pretty much museums, and they're tourist attractions. And you know, many predicted that the church in America is going, you know, that way too. And there's a lot of different reasons for this. You know, right now we're experiencing greater affluence, which gives us a greater um, amount of activities to choose from. People are traveling more. Oh, we have a 24/7 culture where we're, we're just working so much, and there's no longer a weekend, right? The weekend is something that just blends into the week. So we're just going seven days a week, and it's like, you know, we're, we're tired. And Sundays are our only days to either get rest or run errands. You know, children's activities. You know, when I was growing up, we played baseball in the summer and basketball in the winter. And that was it. That was it. Now, kids are playing sports 24-7. And a lot of these leagues no longer take into consideration you know, the church's schedules when it comes to um, scheduling the games. And so there's a lot of different reasons why the church is having less and less influence in this world today. But the one I want to talk about today is that the church is losing their influence in culture is because many fail to see the direct benefit that the body of Christ gives them. They look at the church, they look at the body of Christ, and they see, you know, there's no direct benefit. And if there's no direct benefit... Why should I go? There are other things that I'd rather do. You know, Sunday worship service is boring. I don't get anything out of the sermons. I'm not being fed. Um, you know, I come to this church, there's no one here my age. Or this church doesn't have anything to offer for my family. And so we come to the church with that attitude, with this consumer attitude, with this individualism um, lens. And this is what we started when we talked about the kingdom of God. The, one of the main problems I think we have in the United States is when we view our faith, we view it from an individual point of view, individualistic point of view. We're back in the biblical times, they never ever saw their faith as something as just being individual. That it was part of a community. They were part of a movement. They were part of God's family. It wasn't just about what the church could do for me. And basically, Christianity has come to, for many of us, a place where it exists only to help us grow in our relationship with God. And that's how we see the church. It only exists to help us grow in our relationship with God. And if the church fails to meet that expectation, then what do we do? We change churches. And then we we go to another church. And for a while, we go, okay, this is a lot better. But then once again, if that's the only reason, if that's how we view church, that we're eventually going to leave that church too. And you notice this phenomenon that's going around called church hopping, where people are church hopping right now. We didn't realize that God had never called individuals out just so they could walk with him. If you take a look at a scripture, and you take a look at the people that God has called out, he never called them out because he said, you know what, so-and-so, I just want to walk with you. I just want to have a relationship with you. Now, that's important, but look, when he called uh, Moses out, Right? He called Moses out because he wanted Moses to change the world by freeing his people. You know, my son in his Christian club talked about Gideon. And God called Gideon out not to um, walk, be able to walk with him. God called Gideon out so he could save his people from the Midianites. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he met, um, Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. It wasn't that, oh, Paul, you know, I know that you've messed up. I want you to experience my, my forgiveness so then you could walk with me. No, it was to tell people about the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and the life that Jesus Christ could give the world. And so when God calls us out, he doesn't call us out just to be individuals walking with him. He calls us out to be part of a movement. To change the world. And so basically what, the way we have to view church is not um, what we get from the church. But what can we do for the church. The church doesn't exist for us. We exist for the church. And that's the big paradigm shift I'm talking about. But you know what? I think people are starting to get it. Because there's a movement going on. And you could just sense that the Holy Spirit is bringing people back to him. Where people are tired of just this individualism where, you know, Christianity is all about me meeting my needs. So, you know, if I do the right things, God will bless me. And we're chasing after all of these things. And we know, we know that God has placed inside each one of us a place that only he could fill. But we've been the generations after generations have been trying to fill those things with career with status with money material things and all of that but guess what generations upon generations are finding out that those things aren't fulfilling anymore and so the spirit is moving now to call people back to him the spirit is moving among churches and to say you know what you do not exist to serve yourselves you guys exist to spread the kingdom message. That's why you exist. The church doesn't exist for you. You exist for the church. And that's the hope. And that's what we're going to be talking about um, today. And so if you see the... First slide, we're going to, talk, we're going to see one um, example in the Old Testament of this. And this is from Abraham. So if you have your scriptures, could you turn with me to Genesis 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And this is the calling of Abram. And the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. I will show you. Wow, does this look like, hey, God, it's all about me? You know? <laughs> because if it was all about me, why would God be sending, taking him away from everything that's comfortable to him? And when you take a look at this calling, how many of us would answer this calling if God asked us to leave our country, leave your people, leave your family, and go to the land that I will show you? Once again, it's not about you know, the individual and he says, I will make you into, but it gets better. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Okay, it gets better now. Okay, God, if you're going to call me to leave these things, wow, you're going to make me a great nation? Uh, you know, I'm going to be blessed? Okay, that's cool. I could. Okay, I'm getting on board with you know, this calling that you've given me. And then finally in verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I said, cool, my friends are going to be blessed. And ooh, my enemies, anybody who curses me, God, you're going to get them. Hey, this is wonderful. I think, okay, God, I'm getting on board with this. But then what is it says? And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So basically, God called Abraham out of his community in order that he might be a blessing to the entire world. Now, ultimately, we know that blessing is going to come through Jesus Christ. But Abraham was called not just to be individually blessed, but Abraham was called so he would be a blessing to many, many nations. And the same thing goes through us same thing applies to us god has called us so we might be a blessing to others and then we see in first peter 2 uh, verse 9 it says but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once again, it says that you are a chosen people. Did you realize that God has chosen you? Now, I know there are some in the kingdom that argue did God choose me or did I choose God? You know, and I get that when it comes to predestination. But if you look at scripture, it seems both is there. How they both exist, I don't know. But one thing we do know that God has chosen you. Remember I told you about the time when you know kids are small and you have the captains and they line everybody up and you start picking teams? And how horrible it is when you're like, uh-oh, it's just you and the other person left. And I say, oh Lord, please let me be picked before him. I don't want to be the last one. But here we see the God of this universe. He has chosen you. You're not an accident. God has chosen you, okay? He said, okay, man, I'm choosing Caroline. I'm choosing Caroline. She's not going to be the one that's waiting. Oh, God, please pick me, please pick me. You know, know, I know I'm not good at dodgeball, but please pick me. No, God says, I'm choosing Caroline. No, I'm choosing David. I'm choosing Marco. You know, so God has chosen each one of you, and he's chosen you to be a royal priesthood. Did you know you're a royal priesthood? that each one of you, are in ministry. Each one of you are a minister. It's not just me. Every single one of you are a minister. You are a priest. And so God has called us not only he's chosen us, but he said, "You know what? I got a special job for you to do. You are in ministry. You are called to my service." And he said, "A holy nation that we are set apart." That God says, "You know what? I'm going to take you. I'm going to choose you." But I'm going to take you and I'm going to set you apart for a special purpose, for a special reason. You know, d- you know. I, I remember one time when I was working for Continental, Frank Lorenzo, who was a CEO, and uh, came, and to L. He was coming through L.A. Now, you know, when you're, you know, a, a blue collar worker, you know, and the uh, CEO of a company comes through, that's a pretty big thing. And so I remember one time the. Um, Um, people say, okay, Dave, your job is to make sure that his bags don't get lost. (laughs) You know, and so you know how they put bags in containers? Well, they had just one couple bags in this big container, and that was his. But it was my job to make sure that his bags didn't get lost, that they went from Houston to L.A., and I think he was going to Honolulu. So it's like, whoa, okay, I was set apart that, hey— my job is to take care of his bags. So I tell everybody, guess what? I'm in charge of Frank Lorenzo's bags. They, may, they chose me to be in charge of Frank Lorenzo's bags. And then it's like, oh, I, I pray to God we don't lose them. Because they're going to fire me. But anyway, I was set apart to do that job. And so that did you know that each one of you, God has set you apart? That God has a purpose for you? That, you know, when you try to figure out that question, why am I here? You don't have to figure that out. It's already been answered for you. God has um, called you and set you apart to do his uh, will, to be a part of his purpose. And why? And then he also says you are his special possession. Wow. Did you know that you are his special possession? He doesn't see you as a reject. He doesn't see you as somebody who's flawed, who makes mistakes. He sees you as his special possession. And yet so many of us, when we look at towards God, we go, God, you know, I'm such a mess. Well, you know God doesn't see you that way. You are God's special possession. And so when you put all of these things together, what are we to do? It says, we are to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness, and it was wonderful light. We're supposed to be telling people about this grace, God, who has set us apart, who loves us, who said that we are a special possession. That's who we're supposed to be doing. We're not just to be, supposed to be concerned about, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do my daily devotions, I'm going to pray, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to... Come home, and I'm going to say grace. I'll say my prayers before I go to sleep, and that's it. Yeah, you don't understand. That's good. That, that, that time is perfect. You don't understand that that's not your purpose, that God has a different purpose for each one of you, okay? I couldn't have scripted that even better, okay? Um, but once again, we're not talking about Individuals. God has, not, God has not called you out to live your faith as an individual. He has called you out to be a part of the body. And it, it, you cannot grow in faith without being part of the body. And yes, I get it that sometimes you know, churches don't meet your expectations. I get it that you go, oh, look at the facilities. They aren't as good. But you know, one of the things that I realized when I grew up, You know, we didn't have the best children's facilities. You know, at the church where I grew up, you know what our jungle gym was? And Keith Matsuda knows this because, you know, he and I, we grew up at the same church. It was this barrel with legs on it. And that was it. And then we had a couple tetherball um, poles with a uh, tire with no tetherball. So we had to swing around them and pretend we were like Spider-Man, you know, and things like that. We had nothing Oh, we did have a tire, a tire, and that was our uh, stuff. But you know what, that didn't matter, you know, and, and because why? You know, we, even though we didn't know we were part of something larger than that, you know, our parents did. You know, we were the Church of the Revolving pastor. You know, we couldn't keep a pastor there longer than I—I I, I don't know, two or three years—and they keep revolving because we were the uh, we were the church that they just wanted to start, and no one wanted to uh, end their career there. You know, but our parents modeled that for us—that it's not about the church; didn't exist for us; that we existed for the church. You know, and uh, I remember sitting in those. In the back fellowship hall, just sleeping, because my parents were in meetings, we were drug as, when I was a little kid. We were drugged to those cleanup days. We were cleaning toilets,, you know, when I was five. I go, "Why am I doing this?" You know We had to do all of these things. Why? Because our parents knew that they existed you know, for the church. You know, growing up, I didn't have a youth group. You know, there was just five of us, and we didn't know what to do, so we just got the Bible out. And we just read the Bible together, and that was it. You know, but once again, the church doesn't exist for me or you. You and I exist for the church. And so part of it is the church, the corporate body of faith, is absolutely central to God's purpose. Okay? That this church is essential to God's purpose. It's not something that you could say, well, you know what? I'll take it or leave it. It's essential to that. Each one of us are part of a body. And it says if one part of the body hurts, all the parts of the body hurts. So does that sound like something that's optional? No. When we're hurting, if we're not doing our job, the whole body is hurting. So number one, when we're thinking about the church, we have to think, or we're thinking about the community as it um, pertains to the kingdom. We have to think that the church, the corporate body of faith, is absolutely central to God's purposes. The next thing is part of what God is doing is revealing his love, justice, and holiness through the church's life together. Okay, This is important. Part of what God is doing is revealing his love, justice, holiness through the church's life together. When I talked about the church should be involved in justice issues. When I said the church should care about those who don't have a home. This is why we have family promise. And it's really interesting when I tell people about our church and what our people are involved with. You know what they get excited about? When I tell them about family promise. They go, wow, that's you know, that's really great what you're doing. Or I was telling them about, you know, we sent two people over to Thailand and Myanmar to look for opportunities for us to make a difference. Especially in a world where human trafficking is abundant and a way of life. That we want to go and we want to make it somehow make a difference over there. And when you tell people that we're doing that, they are experiencing God's love, mercy, and justice through our values. And they get excited about that because they are just like you and me that god placed something in their heart in their soul that only he could fill and when you talk to people about what you're doing in order to fulfill god's purpose there's something really compelling about that you know when we say okay well yeah we're just getting together to have a um potluck okay that's good (laughs) you know but when we start involving ourselves in kingdom issues You know, that speaks to them. And see, this is why it's so important for us to be a part of the church. To not only reveal his justice, but his love, his mercy. Because a lot of people are looking for that. Because we know that, you know, this society could be harsh in the way it judges us. And one of the reasons people don't come to church is they say, well, churches are judgmental, you know. I feel judged when I come to church is does, is that god no we're here here to reveal god's mercy his love his forgiveness as a kingdom and so when we do this as a church when people that don't even know them come and say you know that's okay god still loves you when they experience that they experience god it says god's purpose for the church is partly to model his values for the sake of a watching world. Now this is interesting. The world is watching. You know How many times in your workplace um, have people asked you, hey, you're you're Christian. I didn't know that you're supposed to do that. You know, people are watching us. You know, and, and I know I get it. A lot of times they try to catch us doing things wrong. So they could say, I see you you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, but they're watching. They're watching. And a lot of times, we don't even know it. We think we're just going about doing our job, and then that's okay. you know, it's really interesting, you know, I was sharing with you about, you know, my son Michael learning to drive, you know, taking his test and getting some of the answers wrong because you know of what he saw me and so now we've we, how he saw me drive and, and and so now we're actually in the car right and we start off um driving in the parking lot here and i said hey michael you know you got to watch out now you know Setz is walking around somewhere here i don't know where he is but <laughs> we don't want to hit him because you can't hit Setz. or church would be in a lot of uh, problem uh, if something happened at Setz. but then it's like everywhere you go on the streets right at first you're like uh, you know, but, you know, he's doing pretty well, you know, as a driver, you know, but then I point out certain things, and I say, okay, Marco, you were supposed to do this, and he goes, oh, I didn't know that, because th- that's what you do, <laughs> and I'm just going, oh, my goodness, you know, I didn't realize that he was watching me drive, so parents, 10 and 2, when you have your kids in the car, you know, it's not this. Um, But the kids are watching. Kids are watching. And you know what, parents? You know, I I can't stress this more because I've just seen it in my life and I've seen it in Michael's life that, you know, what our children learn about God, it's modeled by you. It's modeled by me. You know, if we're modeling that, you know what, the church is optional, it's not really important, guess what? You know, they pick that up. You know, if they if you model that, you know what, we're supposed to be about kingdom issues. You know, that we're supposed to be about doing, that, you know, the church doesn't exist for us, but we exist for the church. If we model that, guess what? Your kids will model that. And hopefully as they grow up, they're going to get excited about doing things for the kingdom that really matter. And so parents, this is why it's so important that we are the primary Teachers and molders and shapers of our children's faith, not the church you know I mean the Holy Spirit is the one who does it, but you know you know we really have to take that responsibility um, seriously that we model our faith and our beliefs to the children our children whatever we believe, whatever we model, most likely they're going to pick it up. But you know what? We're supposed to model his values. And so, you know, one of the things I see happening at this church is people caring for one another. And I think that's great. And what if we could take that one step further? That, you know, if you've been here for a while, you know this is a a loving church. You know, one of the things I love inviting people to this church, because I want them to meet you. Because when I see you, I see people who are this loving community and we're becoming more and more loving. But what if, what if we took it to the next level where we have, you know, for people in our small groups or let's say people in the ministries that we're in. Let's say I know somebody that you don't know. Maybe it could be somebody at work who's struggling right now. But what if I got a group of you and say, you know what, you know, I have this person at work right now. They're going through a tough time right now. Hey, can we bring over some food for them? You know, if I do it, they'll say, well, you know what, that, that's cool. You know, you know, thank you, David. But if a whole group of people come over that they don't even know start loving them and start caring for them, wow, what a difference that would make, right? So why don't we try, and that's one thing that I'd like you guys to do, whether in your small group or your ministry. If you could kick up your love and care, just one more level, take it to the next level and say, you know what? There are people around me that you don't know that are hurting right now, that are in need of God's love. Would you guys come with me and minister to them just so we could show them God's love and value. I think that would just be an awesome thing, you know, if we could um, do that. And finally, and this is where the hope is, the power of the church is not in us, but the Holy Spirit. And this I can't um, stress um, enough, that it's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about what the Holy Spirit can do through us to speak to a, a world that's watching. And part of that is, you know, when you take a look at, you know, Scripture, you know, how often do we read our Scripture? You know, is, it, is it the Bible something we bring out maybe, I don't know, once a month? Once every other month? Or the only Scripture that I kind of know is what I see up here on Sunday? You know, how often do I, do I pray? How often do I ask God uh, for guidance? And see, this is what the Holy Spirit desperately wants to impact each one of our lives. Because could you imagine a group, of a community of believers who are powered by the Holy Spirit, what they could do? It's amazing. The potentials are endless. But the problem is a lot of times you and I, you know, sometimes circumvent that. You know, where it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm too busy. The Bible isn't, you know, that important. Or or prayer, you know what, I'm kind of busy for that. And this is why this is so important. But the good thing is, the Holy Spirit's the one who transforms you. You don't do that. But we just have to put ourselves in a place where the Holy Spirit could work. You know, the Holy Spirit's working in this church. You know, and this is why I'm so excited when I see about the future where we're going. God's moving in this church. God's doing some things in this church. And the unchurched world, at least some, a lot of the people I uh, hang out with, they're noticing it too. And praise God for that. You guys are doing a great job with that. And it's my job to say, okay, let's, we're doing great here. Hey, how could we do better? You know, how could we reach more people? How could we impact this world more than we're doing right now? How could we have, be led more and more by the Holy Spirit rather than, you know, ourselves? You know, how could we believe more? That we exist for the church and the church rather than the church exists for us. Because each one of you have certain gifts. Each one of you have certain talents. Each one of you have certain experiences, good and bad, that you could use to build up this body. Who better to reach out to somebody who's made mistakes than somebody who's made that mistake themselves? Right? God has called each one of you here. The Holy Spirit is moving here to use your gifts in order to build up this body and so that we can make an impact in the world around us. And once you do, I guarantee you, if you do this, I guarantee you that you're going to find fulfillment that you've never experienced before in your life when you start doing the kingdom work. And I know, I know that the, 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 the temptation out there is great. You know, whether it's, you know, materialism, whether it's seeking um, fame or status. Yeah, I get that. I've been there. I know that. But like I've always said, that it's a dead end. And the greatest commitment or fulfillment I have is by doing God's kingdom work. It changed my life. It's given me this purpose and just uh, an excitement you know, to, you know, live life rather than just going to the office every single day and say, okay, I got to put in my eight to 10 hours. So if you look at your, the place that you work as a mission field, if you look at it as a place where you could proclaim God's goodness, you know, know, that's going to change your life. If you start living with God's kingdom values, It's going to change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you. And Lord, I know that myself, I've been down that path where I wanted to serve myself. And yet, Father, I've realized that just leads to a dead end. And, Father, I know some of us have to experience that for ourselves. But, Father, I know that each person here, whether it's in their extended family or their um, workplace or their organization, Father, they know somebody that's you know hurting right now. They know somebody that could experience you and your love and your mercy. And so, Father, I pray... That they would be able to identify these people and gather your church. Gather the people here around them to help them. I know it's not easy. I know we're busy people. But, Father, allow us to have the courage to make those tough decisions. Allow us to the courage to change our schedules in order to fulfill your desires for this church. Father, to reflect what it means to be spirit-led to a world that's watching us. And Father, I want to pray for the parents right now. I know they're faced with so many challenges and options that, you know, my parents never had to face when I was growing up. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide them. I pray, Father, that Every single day, Father, they'd be in your word, that they would be, you know, praying, asking for your guidance and asking for your wisdom as they raise their children, as they teach their children what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it means to live out God's kingdom, your kingdom here on earth, Father. I know it's hard, but, Father, would you please give them, you know, what they need. And for those who are encouraged, uh, discouraged right now, Father, would you encourage them. For those who are seeking wisdom, Father, may you give them wisdom. For those who are tired and lacking strength in guiding their family, Father, would you give these parents your strength so they will not get tired. Thank you Father. I just thank I personally thank you for the opportunity you've given me to serve you and the joy that that's given me. And I pray that each person here can experience that joy too as they walk with you. Amen.